Welcome to Disruptive Narratives. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Lewis. In these episodes, we will be highlighting people who are impacted by histories and systemic processes of neglect and disinvestment, but do not often have a seat at the table and may not feel seen. This is a space for people radically reimagining a path forward, but not necessarily a space for those who are unpersuaded by the need for a better world where Black futures matter. We are focused on sharing perspectives that are often unshared or unheard because they challenge what we think we know. In this program, guests are the experts of their own reality. I'm really excited to be having this conversation. Um, I have some young leaders um, with us here today who I've had the honor of both collaborating with in community um, to do job work um, and also mentoring and supporting their leadership. Um, and I'm super like proud to, to be in this space with you to have this conversation. So I am sitting here with Quincy Powell and Hassan Asadiq, and I'm, I'm really excited to talk about your stories and your work. Um, and for the folks that are listening in with us today, both um, these amazing um, young Black male leaders and community um, have received support as a young person from whether the Link or Youth Link, um, as they themselves um, were trying to get the support they needed as young adults. Um, in that work, they also got access to other services at places like the Bridge um, and other kind of Hennepin County support services. Um, and I'm glad um, that they are here with us today. I'm also really glad to hear um, that my brother Quincy Powell is in youth work at Youth Prize. And my mother, Hassan, is a youth researcher at Shapen Hall, doing really, really dope work. Um, to start off our conversation, I would really like us to talk a moment about the Youth Direct Cash um, pilot that's being proposed at the state legislature. Um, because I really want to give a sense from you both and for you to tell the audience why this work matters, both to the nation and our state. Um, and after that, give us a sense of why it would have mattered to you as a young person, because you didn't get to benefit from what's being proposed at the state legislature right now. And for folks that do not know, um, a new bill was introduced in the state legislature that would appropriate about $12 million for direct cash stipends for homeless youth in Hennepin County and St. Louis counties. Representative Alicia Kalzalski has introduced or authored this bill. The bill defines eligible youth as individuals 18 to 24 years old who don't have a fixed, regular, adequate nighttime residence. Youth in underserved communities would receive priority. The proposed stipend would not be considered income, assets, or personal property. Additionally, the stipend wouldn't make the youth ineligible for other public assistance programs. Single adults will receive $1,000 and adults with children receive $1,200. I would love um, for you both to share why does this pilot matter and how could it have benefited you as a young person? Hassan. For sure. I'd love to uh, to start off. Um, so as you said, uh, the direct cash transfer program is really um, not a, a new model okay. per se, but it is uh, a model that 
is um, aimed at reducing the disparity gaps that um, financial uh, insecurity may, uh, how that may play a role in like, you know, um, folks experiencing uh, long-term poverty and long-term dependence on uh, certain supportive housing and Mm -hmm. support services. Um, The direct cash transfer program, um, that pilot program uh, that we've been um, working on, and I've been a a youth researcher working under Chapin Hall, uh, is is geared up to uh, serve at least 50 youth between um, fifth youth in Hennepin County as well as St. Louis <laughs> County um, with uh, and I kind of liken it to a kind of like a child support for like homeless youth um, mm-hmm. whereas it's like unconditional and it doesn't disrupt any existing benefits or services that a client might use okay. as someone who has use supportive housing services mm-hmm. and know that, you know, there's income limits, there's certain um, things that we we just can't necessarily like engage in, like, you know, going to school for more than mm-hmm. I think it's like six credits or, or eight mm-hmm. um, without like being considered uh, an actual student and then how that disrupts like some of our benefits, um, this this pilot program uh, takes into account how those uh, interrupt mm-hmm. like uh, positive development, mm-hmm. um, and it it's aimed at trying to kind of bridge those gaps. Okay. Yeah, um, that was great. I would say just adding on to what Caius was saying. Um, direct cash transfer is really is a game changer because it it takes not really takes the power but shifts some of the power from the CBOs, community based organizations, the adult leaders, um, shifts some of that power to the young people and puts that power in the hands of the youth, which is what we need in order to partner with the youth and it enables us to partner with those young people in a better way. And um, when I say a better way, I mean by it gives young people the autonomy to be able to choose rather than having to live in a rundown unit or a mm-hmm. unit that puts them on puts restrictions on them such as not being able to work full time or um, puts restrictions on their childcare or not mm-hmm. allowing them to go to college as a full-time student so that they can really thrive and um, be a part of um, receiving that upward mobility so that they can live their lives in a thriving way as we um, want our citizens to do. Um, as taxpaying citizens within our society. So I think it really allows young people to be the people that we want them to be and the people that they want to be mm-hmm. within our communities. I think about that for myself um, because I didn't qualify for any of the housing programs, although I was experiencing homelessness mm-hmm. when I was a young person. I didn't qualify for them um, based off my situation. I was working part-time at a restaurant and I was making money, but I wasn't making enough money to Mm -hmm. afford a housing situation. And then I just really didn't know how to navigate Mm -hmm. that. And so I was seeking out help and just talking to as many people as I can um, from the different programs, YouthLink, the county, um, just being connected to different folks and really just trying to figure things out in the midst of my situation. And I found a situation with some friends that I had reconnected with and talked to them a little bit about my situation. We all decided to get a house together and the rent would have been 
like 300 bucks, three to 400 bucks, super cheap, super affordable. Came into the programs and talked to some case managers and some leadership. And they wouldn't pay for that because it's not one, it wasn't one of their units or wasn't mm-hmm. a county chosen unit or um, the, uh, then also the mm-hmm. property management wouldn't accept the way that they were trying to pay okay. because it, it would have caused burdens for them or something with their taxes. I wasn't really completely understanding it, but um, I had to figure out a different way mm-hmm. to be able to find a way to live in that situation. And so it was just kind of was super complex. It was super confusing. There were a lot of dead ends and the DCT direct cash transfer stipend would have been a one-stop shop. You know, it wouldn't have been a dead end. I would have had more autonomy to go outside of the communities that they create for us, the boxes that they create for us, and to really live my life and to experience um, maybe different communities, to experience different relationships, you know, to be able to actually navigate in a successful way. And so definitely would have been a game changer for me. It would have been... I would, I would have had less debts, I would say, mm. because as a homeless young person, I was doing everything I can to get money. And whether that was like signing up for different cards, mm. signing up for like different accounts to get like the $50 or $100 mm-hmm. or $5 just so I can get some food. Um, there's times where, you know, I would walk and like ask people for food. And like no one would give me anything because, you know, I like a person begging just looks weird um, to some people and it, it would be really hard. So I would I would actually have to like steal food and mm-hmm. like that was a hard moment for me just mm-hmm. because I was like, dang, like mm-hmm. how am I going to get food? How am I going to eat? Like this is a terrible situation. At that time, I didn't know about the youth programs. And um, I had just kind of started experiencing homelessness. And so that's when I kind of propelled myself and started talking more about my situation to people and kind of got pushed towards YouthLink and some other programs. So it definitely has been a journey. And I think if direct cash transfers was there, it would have been less of a rough journey. I don't think it's a perfect pie. I think it's a pie that was created and we definitely need more cooks in the kitchen, all hands on board. But I think- um, I think that was an invitation. You know what I'm saying? That is is an invitation. That is an invitation. Because we're trying to take this to scale because we know that across the nation, youth are experiencing homelessness, right? Um, In our communities here across the state, youth are experiencing homelessness. In our county, youth are experiencing homelessness. And so we've been addressing it one way um, in multiple ways for the same ways for many years. And I think it's time that we get innovative Mm -hmm. and we partner with young people. I think the special thing about direct cash transfers is everything that was named about this program was decided by young people. Mm -hmm. The amount was decided by young people. The services that are going to come with this were decided by young people. We're talking mental health and um, chemical dependency. We're talking independent living skills. We're talking financial literacy and financial coaching, mentorship, guidance, because Mm -hmm. youth want someone to talk to, Mm -hmm. someone to make sense of things sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. just to release. Help navigate. As we do, you know, as we talk to people and we often have those resources. Mm -hmm. With my job, I have healthcare as a benefit that allows me to get therapy, which is really expensive. (laughs) You know, also really hard to navigate. It took me a few months. I was on a waiting list for like three months. So like, you know, talking about these real real life situations, that when you're surviving, like a lot of our young people, mm-hmm. um, 
you don't have the opportunity, the capacity mm -hmm. to navigate those different things. Right. I really appreciate you, Quincy, sharing a bit of your story with us all. Um, and you gave us a clear understanding of perhaps how that $1,000 a month would have helped and also wouldn't have in the way perhaps the benefits cliff conversation happens where if you make too much, it pops you off services, you can no longer receive it. Yeah. I mean, it seems like because you're ineligible, which I can only imagine. You having a job was barely sustaining you, but based on their eligibility requirements, you were making too much, mm -hmm. which is just insane. Yeah. It's just insane to me. This is Disruptive Narratives. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Lewis. Disruptive Narratives is a co-production of Camo J and Ampers, diverse radio for Minnesota's communities, with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. I'm wondering, Brother Hassan, also known as Caius, as you hear um, that name being used um, throughout our conversation, how would it have benefited you as a young person getting... Direct the direct cash, cash transfer. Yeah. So for me, um, I think that it it definitely would have helped to kind of um, afford more um, basic necessities mm -hmm. like you know toiletries. Um, I'm someone who helps mm -hmm. and supports my family. Mm -hmm. um, so when it comes down to you know my brother needing you know diapers for the daughter or and mm -hmm. or uh you know just needing to kind of cover some some rent when i was working because you know they wouldn't be considerate of all of the other expenses mm -hmm. and they being service providers um mm -hmm. but they want to know kind of like all your income so that they can make sure that you know your client obligations are mm -hmm. are um, accounted for okay. um being able to afford you know not having to choose between Supporting my family, mm -hmm. sustaining my own mm -hmm. self-sufficient mm -hmm. um, lifestyle, and um, affording rent, affording, right. you know, um, medication, mm -hmm. stuff like that uh, that's needed. Okay. Um, so you had mentioned that you got most of your services from the link. Mm -hmm. So what caused you at that time in your life to go to the link? And how did you even learn about who the link was? So I actually learned about the link through the coordinated entry okay. uh, assessment. Mm -hmm. um, when I got notified about like my placement, mm -hmm. I actually was a little bit too late and they had just switched over to this new coordinated entry system okay. um, where they were inputting data into like a HMIS, homeless management information system okay. and concentrating um okay. kind of that 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 uh intake right mm -hmm. um and i was on the waiting list for about like four years before ever even oh, getting wow. the call um wow. so i was you know visiting youth link playing chess eating you know mm -hmm. in the drop-in um and the way that a lot of it works is like there are certain agencies that have intake okay. um, locations and you like kind of just go there and you mm -hmm. talk to case management mm -hmm. about, you know, what your needs are and what your situation is that you're navigating. Some people have different situations. Mm -hmm. Some people just need housing support. Some people need, you know, employment mm -hmm. support. Some people come into uh, spaces and just want community. Mm -hmm. Right. Um so I was someone seeking a combination of like three and uh, okay. 
so once I got like notified that I was selected for um, coordinated, well, selected through coordinated entry for housing placement, it was really for me, it was a two months process. And I think it was due to it being kind of a new rollout. Mm-hmm. So they were like trying to, you know, get a lot of young people housed. Okay. Um and then I was placed inside of the Lynx Housing First program, which focuses primarily on like making sure your rent's paid. Okay. Not really around the wraparound services that, you know, we've been talking about as a need. Okay. Um, so when I started to kind of lean into my entrepreneurship, I, um, I was seeking some unique person-centered um, support and... Uh, I was kind of like an anomaly because I didn't fit into this cookie cutter of okay. what a homeless young person does, looks like, mm. sound. Um, because, you know, I'm I'm uh, manifesting my dreams aloud, right? I'm mm-hmm. saying, I want to do this. I want to work in community. I want to develop um, mm-hmm. as a young professional. I want to get connected to these different spaces to, you know, be in community with folks. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the way that the housing first program works is like you can do all of that, but like you know, mm. you, you the case management services aren't kind of uh, molded in a way to kind of help you access those. Um, mm. We're molded in a way to make sure that your rent's paid. Um, that like if you if you uh, needed some like assistance, um, scheduling something, right? Say scheduling uh, an appointment with the county. A lot of the services were focused on your relationship with the county Mm -hmm. and uh, making sure that you are are eligible for the programs and not that not making too much, not doing something that will make you ineligible. So in a way, kind of like just just barely um th- just barely thriving so yep. just over broke mm-hmm. um and then not not with consideration of like uh what your what your potential is yeah right so two things i think will be helpful um for the folks that do not know what coordinated entry is mm-hmm. how would you describe what coordinated entry is and why you seek it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is something that is led through Hennepin County, right? And when folks are seeking out like supportive services like access to housing, emergency assistance resources, um, whether it's for back rent, like gas, water, payments, like you go through coordinated entry because you're trying to get access, mm-hmm. right? And you shared that you were, you applied but didn't hear for four years. Right. What was happening with you for four years as you were waiting? I was navigating. I went mm-hmm. to Summit Academy. I okay. completed um, their carpentry program. Uh, but to answer your question directly, so coordinated entry is the intake process that Hennepin County and a lot of other uh, counties throughout the state okay. uses to kind of assess what your needs are. Okay. Um, it's a it's a series of questions that mm-hmm. kind of get to the root of, um, or at least try mm-hmm. to get to a root of 
you know, whatever your situation is, whether you need like mental health um, Mm -hmm. resources or if you need like housing stabilization resources or if you need employment resources. Mm -hmm. Um, And through that series of questions, they kind of put you, profile you in a way um, that that informs them what type of program might be the best fit for you for what they have to offer. Um, Why you might seek that out. uh, Because, you know, I think human nature seeks to be secure, right? Um, And although the process is not super fast, it does, it does, yield kind of um outcomes that like place folks in some type of housing support okay um it might not be the right housing support but a housing support this is disruptive narratives i am your host dr Brittany lewis disruptive narratives is a co-production of camo j and ampers diverse radio for minnesota's communities with support from the minnesota arts and cultural heritage fund Quincy, is anything you want to add? I think that um, coordinated entry when we were in the program, well, and you know, I exited the What's program. What's it even called? Coordinated entry. I think it was coordinated it was like entry, list. like in the systems conversations, but maybe it called like just like intake or something, because they kind of are they're kind of mashed together now. Okay. In a way, it's faster now. I will say. When I was in the program, where it was like a four, three-year wait, two-year mm-hmm. wait, but now um, they've the the system has you know it's not the best pie again, but it's gotten better, and so you do see young people entering into housing within like thirty days, although it's not fast enough, um, and some entering sooner depending on the availability. We do know there's a shortage, mm-hmm. and just housing, affordable housing properties and units um, within mm-hmm. our communities. We see all these condos and things going up and I don't even want to really get into what affordability looks like in, in those places because it's really not affordable. Um, so I like, you know, just let's talk about it, right? Um, and so thinking about that, coordinated entry I think has gotten better because it there's people that are, I, I would argue, that are now working within these spaces that mm-hmm. are more youth focused mm-hmm. and do want to um, better the the situations of young people. And I would argue that there are many people in these spaces now that have that lived experience, mm-hmm. which I would say is a different outlook from when I was in the program. And it's I a different working. approach. Mm-hmm. Absolutely different approach because a lot of people I worked with did not have the same experience as me, and great people that like were trying to help, but it was hard to get that help. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of times where I did feel really uncomfortable, and I felt tokenized. And I would you know speak at an event and talk about my story with different politicians or different funders, not really knowing that there were funders. And then I would walk away at the end of the night, and I would still be homeless. I'd still be hungry. I would still need clothes and toiletries, mm. and That's I didn't know how to hold that. And so, like, you know, is definitely, it is, yeah. So it sounds like you both became very active within these youth organizations as you were receiving services. And they were relying on you in some capacity to share your stories. Mm -hmm. How, why, when did you start 
being um, partnering with these organizations in that way? What was the expectation of what you received in that exchange? Like, how did that come about for you, Bo? I started on the youth councils because I have an I have an entrepreneurial spirit, mm-hmm. and I w- had a bunch of business ideas that I wanted some help manifesting. Especially since I was getting this case management that was uh, kind of uh, described as like you know mm-hmm. someone to help you kind of meet your goals that you have for your life, not necessarily telling you what's possible, but like helping you realize mm-hmm. what what's possible. Um, but it sounds like there's a tension there. You yeah. were describing before that the case management services they were perhaps pushing you towards were trying to define your path in some limiting ways. Mm-hmm. When you wanted to be an entrepreneur, you were thinking about leadership and professional development differently and didn't seem like they were that helpful. Why? What was what was the challenge there? Hence, it was described as not what it was the the actual practice or the implemented work. Um, so, as the case management services were described, it was to to help you realize all your dreams, right? Mm-hmm. And then once we get into the practice and the day to day, the month to month, the case management check ins. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I realized, like you know, the the outcomes in the life that I want to live. Mm-hmm. Um, th- these services did not want me to really achieve that or to access mm. that because then that meant that I would no longer be a uh, a number that they or a success story that they can kind of continue to kind of touch back on and in that Mm -hmm. way it felt tokenizing because like Quincy was just describing I'd go into these rooms with politicians with funders other you know systems professionals and tell them about like you know how they could be innovative and leaders in um this sector uh, to really like reduce homelessness to like a temporary stepping stone Mm -hmm. um with the service interventions and empower young people to to uh, to realize a, a life that they can be self sufficient. They can exercise agency, um, and not only be knowledgeable about what the resources are, but how to really access those. And for me, the gap was how to access it, um, exercising in in self agency and self sufficient um, life skills because. Um, I'm like I said, I was entrepreneurial and I was, you know, exploring. I was mm-hmm. participating in different uh, leadership fellowships, um, internships. I worked at Juxtaposition Arts for for mm-hmm. like three, four years um, mm-hmm. doing really dope projects. Mm-hmm. And um, I was playing the social service runaround, right? Mm-hmm. Where like I, I had to learn kind of when my six month review would be when my annual review would be just because the case management wasn't really as consistent. I had over 12 different case managers in a span of three years. Mm. Um, and I think that's something telling of the, the the sector itself, right? A few of them I had to dismiss because I was saying, you know, hey, this is something that I want to do. 
Mm-hmm. I'm fully capable of doing it. I need a little bit of guidance. And their capacity was not, you know, built in that way, right? Mm. Um, or they had not been developed in that way to kind of help um, young people who are seeking to, like, use entrepreneurship as a vehicle towards um, mm-hmm. success or towards uh, self-sufficiency. Okay. Okay. To hear the second part of our conversation, visit camojfm.com. Disruptive Narratives is a production of Camo J Radio and Ampers, diverse radio for Minnesota's communities. Made with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund, hosted by Dr. Brittany Lewis, produced by Miranda Wilson, edited by Abdi Muhammad, music by Jerome Rankin. <laughs>